When getting your home ready to sell, there are things you can do to give it a competitive edge on other houses in the market without going overboard. Landscaping is not re-landscape. It's, hey, let's put some, clean up the flower beds and, and trim everything up. You know, let's get the house an outside haircut, so to speak. Once you get your home ready for its next chapter, you should have a team that best utilizes their resources. So how what you're telling me is that you call the agent that had it listed so that you get some idea of what the current now is as opposed to the historical information, which is the appraisal. That's going the extra mile. And that makes a big difference when you're trying to price a property. Absolutely. And nobody has a crystal ball, but taking that extra step out makes a huge difference in getting a property properly priced. This episode of the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with Hal Swayze is rich on information for those looking to sell. So let's jump in with host, photographer, and team member, James Bueno. Of course, we have Hal Swayze with us, JT, consultant for Team Swayze, and Jay Pete from Keller Williams. And a special guest with us, Ms. Sharon Benedict. She is our listing manager for Team Swayze. Yeah. Sharon. <laughs> So today we are talking about preparing your home for selling and Sharon's going to support us on that since she is the listing manager. Sure. Preparing your home to sell. When I sit down with somebody who's getting ready to sell, a lot of things I talk about are there's two things that affect the value of the house. One is the condition of the market, which we have no control over, and one is the condition of the home, which of course we do. Sometimes ask people, hey, how long have you been in your house? And they might say, I've been in this house 10 years. I go, great. Has it gone up in value? Yep. Have you done anything to it? Well, not really. Okay, so the condition of the market can have a much bigger impact than the condition of the home. Sharon, normally when we list a house, what are a couple of things we normally recommend when we're talking to a homeowner about getting their house ready? Uh, usually a, a house cleaner to do a, a full cleaning, a window cleaner, landscaper to clean up the yard, make it nice and pretty. Um, those are the major things. Yeah, you were talking earlier too, like decluttering, one of those that, things. Well, yes, yeah. yes. Especially if you've been in the house a long time, you probably have a lot of tchotchkes on the right. personal photographs on the counters. You probably want to clear as much as you can off those counters. Yeah, getting a house ready in general is stressful. Mm -hmm. So that's why we provide resources. Hey, do you need someone to help with landscaping? Do you need someone to do the windows or clean the house or painting touch up, that sort of thing? Or even but, staging, I know. Of course, yeah. Staging your house, what do you mean? Well, you know, normally we offer to consult with a stager, right? So that could be as simple as, you know, uh, hey, let's move a few things around and help declutter and really give them good direction. We can do that. Um, of course, the professionals are usually better. And then sometimes we have a vacant home, so, you know, that might warrant having a home stage for sure, you know, because it will definitely show better. We spend a lot of time in this market, Sharon, right, getting homes ready for sale. Yes. We've had houses that take two or three months and it's like, oh, well, the market's changed a little bit and now it's not quite getting the same price and you spend a lot of time and money. You know, again, I, when I sit down with someone, it's just like, hey, if you're getting a car ready for sale, it's not necessarily you're going to put on new tires or reupholster it or repaint it. It's just like, let's clean out the gold box, let's clean out the truck, let's detail it. And that's very similar to what we do. You know, the landscaping is not re-landscape. It's, hey, let's put some, clean up the flower beds and, and trim everything up, you know, let's get the house an outside haircut, so to speak. So a lot of it is just freshing it up. Well, I think Sharon was saying, it's like, hey, if you're going to have a big party and a bunch of people over, you put a lot of stuff on the counters away, you do that, you get everything clean, you fold the towels and hang them up nicely. So it's kind of like that. Sorry, quick question, question for Jay. You know, how many of your listing agents you think stage homes, they, you know, have, they pay for professional staging being done at an empty house? It really depends on the 
particular situation in the house. If I were to say that there's a, a standard a number, a flat number, I would say less than 10% are, are actually staging homes. Most of the homes that are being sold have people that are currently living in them. Mm-hmm. So um, they'll do more along the lines of, of just getting the house prepped for sale rather than remove everything and then go ahead and try and, and refill it with, with furniture that'll be more attractive to a, a neutral palette, which is really the goal, right? There's really one opportunity to make that first impression. Prepping a house for sale is probably one of the most fundamental things you can do to mm-hmm. get the house in the best position to be viewed by individuals that are seeing it as a home that they want to make their own. You know, some people can go to the prom and they just comb their hair. Right. And they'll be fine. And some people, yeah. it's like, well, we're going to spend a little bit more time getting like, ready for the prom. Like right? John. Yeah. 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 Right. Well, sure. No, not John. The other part, too, is, you know, uh, when Jay talks about showing the house in the best light is, I mean, having professional photography done. So the difference between that type of photo and someone with an iPhone going around makes all the difference. So that's mm-hmm. part of preparing a house for sale. Some of it's on the seller and we can help with that. And some of it's on, you know, obviously us as the marketing crew for that property. Sharon, how important is it to have a professional photographer done versus... Um, an iPhone, like Hal just said, you know, uh, staging is one thing, but photos are the other. You know, how important it is to have a photographer in there? Very, very important. <laughs> it's, okay. I think it's one of my pet peeves is when I see in the MLS, especially when they're over a million dollars and the agent is using their iPhone and they're dark and they're dingy and they're crooked. And I think, right. wow, they couldn't, they couldn't just invest a little bit in photography. Yeah. just makes a big difference for that first impression. You, the people that are out there looking and that house hits the market and there's nice, beautiful photography. Right. I, I think it makes a huge difference. So the stats guy, JT, I'm going to list my house with Hal. My house is going to sell regardless, correct? The question is, uh, what's the price that you're going to get for your house? Right. And the better the photography that you have, the more people you're going to have a look at your house. Unfortunately, the first house I purchased, James, was back before the internet. <laughs> Wait, was that, was that an actual time? Pictures didn't matter then, but in this market, where are people looking for houses first? On the internet. Yeah. yeah. So the first thing they're going to see is are the photos that you have for your house that's on the market. And if the photos aren't good, you're not going to have as many eyes on your house and therefore... Uh, the competitive pricing or the competitive uh, offering on your house isn't going to happen like it would with great photos. So presentation and photos. I think to piggyback on something John said is that if you have uh, photographs that aren't professionally done, you're going to get a different type of buyer that's looking at that. You know, beautifully well done photos. I can see myself at that house. I really, I, I'm, it might be a, a primary residence for me. When you have um, lower quality photos, it tends to attract a buyer that's looking for a deal, right? And I know today's market, you think that, you know, hey, you know, properties are going to sell as soon as they hit the market. And it's, it hasn't always been that way. It won't always be that way. And we're already, I've got, you know, I, I've got colleagues in major metro areas on either side of us, and they're telling me that the markets there are changing. Like properties are on the market now for almost 30 days and they've got one or two quality offers, but not, it's not the 10 offers we were seeing in the past. And that's when quality photos and prepping a house, staging, all those things make the difference between attracting the right buyer and having to compromise on your sales price because you weren't prepared. James, like you do way more than that. So we've got drone foot photography, which I think is very important for our out of town buyers. Sure. When we had COVID, that was really a big deal. So mm-hmm. you get a whole different context when you can pan up and look around and say, oh, that's what's over there. There's how far the park, the beach, the school, that sort of thing. So um, the level of photography is way different than the Polaroid days of, 
you know, early, earlier in John's career, right? <laughs> well, you know, to this day, I try to stay up on what's going on in the market every day. And, and how do I do that? I look online every morning. Yeah. I'm checking to see the new listings. And I'll look at some of the listings that are in the marketplace and I'll just go, oh my gosh. I look at some of the photos and I see beds that aren't made, dishes still in the sink. And I go, who would take those photos? Not a professional real estate agent, I hope. Sharon and I deal with this with a lot because sometimes we deal with properties that have tenants in them. So we can't really change what they're going to do. So then I just tell the seller, listen, we can try now with a tenant. So if the tenant keeps it clean and we'll often advise to get incentives and do all sorts of things, then our chances are good. But if we put it on the market and every listing we have, whether it's in great shape or not great shape or good market or bad market, it's the feedback of the buying public, our job to channel that back to the seller. And that feedback is what is the marketplace saying about this property. So sometimes the market's great. They go, that's fine. We're going to take the carpet and paint out anyway. I'm glad you didn't spend the money because I'd rather take 3000 off the price than have you spend 15000 on carpet and paint. So it's a case by case basis for sure. But we had one recently where there was a family illness which prohibited the couple in a nice house from really keeping it the way they should because sometimes you get hit with things and you just can't keep up with your house. So they moved out, we got it touched up and staged and it made a world of difference. I guess that's why real estate is case by case, location by location. The other thing Sharon you deal with all the time is it's not just getting the house ready, it's what do we do to make sure that it's ready to receive offers. You know, We talk about reports, I mean what, what kind of things are we having to do now? that we recommend that we didn't used to. We usually do the home inspection and a termite up front. That's right. usually that what you recommend, what Hal recommends to the seller so that we're not surprised later on yeah. and have to renegotiate the price because they didn't know that you know it was $10,000 in termite damage or yeah. something like that. And now with cities, certain cities, you have to get a oh, sewer mm-hmm. inspection and you know sometimes there's a septic and a well. And, and if, if those aren't done in advance, in the escrow process, then you get a surprise and nobody wants that. So if we have the time to do them up front, we always try to. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you end up kind of renegotiating. If we want the smoothest transaction, we have time. We try to get all those done up front. And then we have a very complete package to give to a buyer. Makes the negotiation smoother. Talk to us about you know determining the price of your house. Mm-hmm. You go in and get an appraiser and, and they tell you what your house is worth. What's the process? What do you Yeah, do? I mean, obviously an appraisal is one option. Most banks require that for you to get a loan. But up front, a lot of people don't do that because usually a real estate agent will pull similar comps. And the difference is the homework you do when you look at that and, and what you put value on. One of the local appraisers I've known for 30 some years, Mark Adams, is a very thorough appraiser. Like he'll do an appraisal for a property that's not even in, in escrow. Just somebody needs to know the value for a refinance or a family change of status. And then he'll always look at for what it sells for to see how he did. So he takes it very seriously. So to determine the value, a lot of it is just looking at the features and benefits of the home against other homes that are for sale or have recently sold. If we get a single level house versus a two story house, that's going to affect value because there's more demand for one level homes. If we have a 5,000 square foot lot and you have two houses that both have 5,000 square foot lots on paper, on Zillow, on any internet website, they would seem the same. But if one lot slopes down a hill and the other one's nice and flat in landscape, well, that's going to change value. Right. So that's why banks don't go off a of Zillow or whatever or a drive-by appraisal. They have someone come and inspect the property and they look at those features and benefits. And then in a dynamic market like we have, they're not so lo- much looking or waiting a closed sale from two months ago, which actually went in escrow two months before that. So now we're in May. That means it went in escrow in January. The market can change a lot in that time. Yeah. They'll look at pending sales. 
And if somebody's really good, well, a lot of times I'm going to call the agents that have those pending sales and say, hey, you had this property on Walnut. Looks like it was listed for 800000 in escrow. How did it go? Well, we just had one offer after three weeks and, you know, we're close, but we didn't go over versus, oh, yeah, we had seven offers on this house and we're, you know, I can't tell you exactly, but we're 100000 plus over the price. So that information lets me know, okay, there's a lot of extra buyers in the marketplace. So things are getting, you know, they're driving up. So it's pretty comprehensive in terms of comparing those. And then we try to position the house based on that information when we're selling it for value. But sometimes people just call me, I need to know what it's worth so I can refinance or mom and dad passed away and we need it for the valuation for the estate. So it's very similar, but there's a reason appraisers have to spend a lot of time in training and education to become an appraiser. How important is it to get the right number when you're listing your house? Too low, too high, you know, how important is it to get that perfect number for when you put it on the MLS at first? Well, I think that's pretty important. That's why Hal does such a great job. But um, I think pricing at or below is what Hal's done in the past so that we get the most, you don't want to go too far below, but we get the most um, response. Mm-hmm. You go too high and you, you, you get very few showings. So you know that you've, you're above probably where it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you have to lower the price, now people think, okay, there's something wrong with it. Or, and then it went over pay, so they've seen the, the price high, and now, it's, now it's, you're trying to catch up with the market. We usually know, and, and it's just a matter of how long the market responds. In a normal market, I tell people, hey, you could have six years to sell your house, but in the first 30 to 60 days when you get your best price. Two months ago, hey, you could have six years to sell your house, but you're going to get your best price in the first seven days. Now it might be three weeks. It's positioning to get the most response. And as John said, most people looking at it, the more people look at it and you show it to, the better chance you have of the most offers and the highest price. I call it positioning it in the marketplace. JT, so you look at the market every single day online. You know, when you see that, you know, quote, overpriced house on there for two weeks, you know, what goes through your mind? As someone who had not been involved in the real estate business other than as a consumer, I always thought that, hey, I'm going to put a price on my property as, as high as I think I can go. I can always come down. And I learned that that wasn't a really good strategy right now. If it sits when everything else is moving, people start to wonder what's wrong with it. Why doesn't anybody else want it? You know, when you go somewhere and everybody wants what you want, then you go, oh, okay. You know, that means it's popular. Something's good about it. When a house sells, it's public information. Anybody who wants to know can know what a house sold for. How, when you're sitting down with somebody who's thinking about selling their house, how do you help them? arrive at the listing price of the house? First, I try to get as many properties nearby as I can. And in a small town or a hot market, there may not be as many as we'd hope. Then I talk to a seller and I go, okay, based on the, this house is maybe larger than yours and it's a $100,000 new kitchen. That's going to mean it's worth more, maybe 75000 And we adjust it. I make the parallel like an appraiser is probably going to adjust it up or down based on these improvements. You know, pools. Half the buyers don't want a pool. It may add value in some cases or it doesn't. I just go through that and say, it looks like yours is going to be a little bit above this one at 900 This one that sold for a million fifty, for example. Okay, they had a bigger house. They had upgraded kitchens and baths and they had a little bit bigger lot or it was on the end of the, the street. So all those things go into play. And then we try to go, okay, it looks like we're going to be in that range. And there's no exact number. 
I always tell people you can hire three appraisers at X dollars each, and you're going to get three completely different values. So it is a personal opinion of what we think the next buyer is willing to pay for that property. So when we do that, I say it looks like it's going to be between, for example, 975 and 100, or, or excuse me, in a million. It's a big gap, yeah, 975 to 100, right? That's helpful for a seller. Yeah. No, between 975 and a million. So at 975, it increases our chances of getting more money and people go, well, I don't want to undersell it. I think we've talked about this before, but you can under sell a house. It's hard to underprice it because you have a good agent. If you price a house that's worth 975 at 900, there's going to be lots of offers. And even at 975, you'll get more offers. And if you price it at a million, okay, we're going to see if we can get a million or not. And we're going to know fairly soon. And then I just prepare them not to take too long to use the information that other sellers have learned by not selling to make their decision to adjust. Okay, so we just keep real close tabs on that, and that's just good communication. An appraisal is a historic view of a prior sale. Like That doesn't tell our future. Having someone like Hal, a, a student of the market, uh, being able to do a couple things that Hal, you said I think was really impressive, I, I haven't actually heard any other agent do, is call on sales that are pending. Now, what does that mean for the, the consumer? When a property goes on the market and it's for sale, uh, it goes into our multiple listing service and we can all see what's on the market. Uh, once an offer is accepted and it goes into escrow, the status change to, changes to pending. So we don't know because we can't see the sale. It hasn't been recorded. It's not public, public information. So Hal, what you're telling me is that you call the agent that had it listed so that you get some idea of what the current now is as opposed to the historical information, which is the appraisal. That's going the extra mile. And that makes a big difference when you're trying to price a property. Absolutely. But appraisal is nothing more than a historical look at what has transpired. And then you've got this magic of trying to adjust for what, where is the market going? What has it done? And nobody has a crystal ball, but taking that extra step help makes a huge difference, I would imagine, in getting a property properly priced. Um, unlike that as opposed to something like Zillow, which is just an aggregator, right? They're pulling, they're scraping the, the internet for data to try and get information. And the stuff you see there might be six months old. It might not, the house might not even be in the market. Uh, so it's a real poor view of what's truly happening in the market. But um, to, to the, the aspect and the, the tactic that you take, Hal, I think it's really, really uh, impressive and important to know that you're taking the historical data, but you're also talking about real live activity, things that are happening right now to yeah. help you evaluate homes for your clients. It's impressive. You know, I would say if you're to the consumer, rely on the professional. Leave the pricing of homes to the experts. Lean heavily into somebody that you're hiring to do that job for you because they're going to be the ones with the tools and that are in the know. They live, eat, and breathe it. They're looking at it every single day. You wouldn't go to your mechanic and ask him to perform oral surgery on you, would you? It's not what they do. Stay away from using the aggregators to try and evaluate your home. We know we've got prices that vary all over the county. We've got so many little microclimates down to communities that are so specifically different. You cannot get a proper valuation from an aggregator like Zillow or Realtor.com or Ojo, those companies just don't provide the minute details that your real estate professional can give you. You know, some people just say, well, what's it worth? Well, uh, you know, we need to be a team. You know, again, I use the medical profession, but, you know, if somebody's going to, if you're coaching me, James, on this problem I'm having with my elbow, you're going to say, hey, this is what's happening and here's why and here's some options for us. And I think when I talk to somebody, I go, you see this house here, look at what it looks like, look at the pictures, look at the square footage. Okay, this is what it's sold for. Can you see how this one might be worth a little bit more than ours? Okay, good. Here's another one. This one's not quite as nice, right? Do you see how we can be there? So together we come up the price. 
just like if you ever want to buy a new car, you can go, okay, I can get this Toyota for somewhere from you know 30 to 31 to 32 with the upgrades, it's 34 to 35. I mean, it's not rocket science. When I'm talking to a client, I used to say, hey, I'm not going to tell you the price. I'm just going to show you where it is. And then usually they're going to come to a good conclusion. It's a starting point. It used to be the starting point was, well, I want to put it here because somebody's going to offer less. And for a while it's been, we're going to put it here because somebody's going to offer more. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that'll, exactly. that's all the way it is. Right? Yeah. Thank you for listening to the House Wazy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. It comes out every Monday, so check for it in your feed for the latest information on the San Luis Obispo County market. The Slow County Real Estate with House Swayze Podcast is available wherever you get your podcast and on housewazy.com where you can find current listings and other real estate tips. Housewazy.com, that's H-A-L-S-W-E-A-S-E-Y.com. I am James Bueno, Director of Marketing for the House Swayze Group. If you're looking for anything real estate, give us a call, 805-781-3750. Don't miss the next episode of the Slow County Real Estate with House Swayze podcast as the team looks over the options you have when buying a home and the benefits of each and every one of the realtor, realtor team, and for sale by owner scenarios. I would say in a hot market, Do you need a real estate agent to sell your house? No, because so many buyers want a house, so that's not the issue. Now, do you need him to get top dollar? Probably. Al Swayze is a licensed California real estate broker. DRE number 01111911. This Low County Real Estate with Hal Swayze podcast is a production of AGM Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.